Our first uh, scripture reading is from the prophet Isaiah. We're reading from chapter 55, verses 1 and 2. Very short passage. Isaiah says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading is from the book of 1 Peter, another uh, short passage, chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. Peter writes, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, at the communion table uh, this morning, where we will uh, celebrate your supper, we will be taking in our mouths in a rather mysterious way your presence powerfully demonstrated in the bread and cup as symbols of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would enlighten our minds and prepare our hearts so that we might approach your table in a manner that honors you. We pray it and ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, uh, home repair shows have been very popular on TV over the last several years. It seems that there's always something that is in need of fixing. The TV show Extreme Makeover Home Edition ran successfully on ABC for many years. I think now it is on one of the cable news outlets. But if you ever saw it, you know that at the start of the program, you are shown a house that has seen better days. The, the heating doesn't work right. The floorboards are more than just a little bit creaky. If someone leaned to into a wall, chances are they're going to crash right through into the next room. Well, the owners of that home are then whisked away and an army of professionals descend upon that house in order to transform it, to give it an extreme makeover. And if you saw the before and after pictures, they are amazing. It's hard to believe that this was the same house. Well, over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the different rooms of our homes, but from a spiritual perspective. You see, God is in the extreme makeover business of you and me. God is in the business of wanting to transform your life and my life. God sees the possibilities in you and me that we often miss when we look at ourselves in the mirror. And quite frankly, we don't like what we see coming back at us. God is able to do for you and for me that we could never do by ourselves. And only God is able to pay the price for what he does. We 
have no possible way of affording the cost, but God did by sending us His Son to die for us. So here's the one thing I want you to remember. God's makeover is different and is different in one major area. That TV show that I was talking about, that, that makeover is external. But God wants to make us over from the inside out. God's makeover of us is internal. And this morning, the room that we're looking at is the kitchen. You know, kitchen modeling is uh, very big these days. In fact, my sister in West Lampeter is remodeling her entire kitchen. She is giving it an extreme makeover. Granite countertops, tile floor, brand new appliances, new cabinets, a coffee bar, and then a large center island in the middle of that kitchen for food preparation and serving. Well, on this uh, Communion Sunday, which we're going to be asking you to get your elements for Communion later on, as we gather around the Lord's table, I'd like to kick things off a bit by talking about the one room in our house where we eat our food. Someone has said, wherever two or three or more Presbyterians are gathered, there a donut will be in the midst of them. I think that's true. But we love to talk about our food, don't we? And right now you can go to various websites and apps and they will point you in the right direction to help you find that restaurant that will satisfy whatever you may be hungry or thirsty for. Now, if I were to ask you the question, if any of you had some unusual dining practices, I bet I'd hear plenty of stories. Reminds me of the poem that I heard not too long ago. I eat my peas with honey. I've done it all my life. It makes them taste real funny, but it keeps them on my knife. I also heard an old tale that eating ice cream with the spoon upside down will prevent headaches. I mean, who's to say? Well, many of you know that I have some rather unusual dining uh, habits. As you know, I don't like my foods to mix. I don't like them to touch. I am one of those who believes that those separator plates are one of the greatest inventions since the automobile. And I like my foods separate so I can eat my corn first, and then I'll eat my mashed potatoes. And finally, I always save the best for last, and that is eat my meat. Now, I know in my head that it all goes to the same place. I can't explain to you why I may like chicken pot pie or a bowl of chili. I just know that I don't like my foods to touch. So, let me ask you a question. Is Jesus Christ, the one who touched us with his everlasting love, invited into the kitchen of your home? Think about this. We celebrate around this table one who was once accused by his enemies of being a glutton. We rejoice in one who created storms of controversies by dining with some rather questionable characters. We fellowship with one who turned water into wine just to keep the party going. Jesus loved dinner parties, and I bet he would have loved a good Super Bowl party today. Jesus came to bring us rich, deep, zesty, sparkling abundant life. Think about this. At one of the most crucial points in his life, Jesus chose to sit down at the kitchen table with his friends and have a meal with them. And I think it's because Jesus knew that the intimacy of eating brought him closer to his friends 
and also with God. As God's people, 2,000 years later, we carry on that tradition. Well, this morning, you may be worried about appearances or what people might think, or if you're trying extra hard to be a Martha Stewart, shove that to the side because you're potentially missing out on these magical godlike moments that you can have with family members and friends as you eat around your table. Prophet Isaiah, I think, understood this all too well when he asked, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. I believe what Isaiah was saying is that food and godly fellowship go hand in hand. You see, when we eat, we are celebrating God's goodness. And what God offers to us is better than anything we could ever find at Chick-fil-A. Because if you're hungry, God says, come. If you're thirsty, God says, come. Because it's at the table that we meet God. It's at the table that we find a fellowship of friends. It's at the table that we discover just how deeply we are loved. It's in God's kitchen that we are offered a smorgasbord of food, life, and fellowship with God. You ever wonder why it is that at every party that you attend, at some point, invariably, people always wind up in the kitchen? Do you know that that drives hosts and hostesses crazy? I, I've been bounced out of more kitchens at parties and social gatherings that I care to remember. Well, psychologists say that the reason that we do that it was, is because that it was in the kitchen that we would find mom. It's in the kitchen that we had our first experiences of, of love and warmth and care. And so when you invite someone into your home, in essence, what you're saying is, my, my food will nourish your body, but I will nourish your soul. And friends, God extends that same offer to you and me today. As we gather around the table, as you gather around your tables today, we are enjoying and celebrating the goodness and generosity of a loving God who is waiting to meet us there. The bread on this table is the bread of life. It's always there. It's always available. It's always fresh. It's always extended so that we might be fed. This cup, it's the cup of salvation. It's always full. It's always available. It's always accessible. It's always offered us so that we might be filled. When the religious pollster George Barna interviewed people, he found that when he distilled all the comments People are basically looking for four things in life. Four things. He said, first, they're looking for love. A place to belong. A place where you can be cared for. He said, second, people want to make a difference in life, like they're scouts. People want to make a contribution that will have a lasting impact on the world around us. Third, he said, people are looking for security. This world, let's face it, it's a scary place. And we want a safe spot to land so that we can just be ourselves and let our guard down. Isn't it interesting that the fastest growing communities in these country, in residential areas, are what's called gated communities. Why? Because, because this world is a frightening place. And then fourth, all of us are looking for comfort. We, we want a nest egg that we can 
fall back on. And then we want the time to be able to truly enjoy it. And so Barna says that people are basically looking for four things, love, acceptance, security, and comfort. But Jesus says, I want to give you something even better than that. Jesus says, I want to give you me. So if you don't have human love or, or acceptance, you're scared, if you're looking for comfort, Jesus says, you can still have me. Think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was insecure. He didn't have that. He had no power. He had no comfort. That three times he prayed that, that God would make him comfortable. And he prayed over and over and over and over that God would remove that thorn from his flesh. And instead God said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And then Paul came to the realization, you know what, God, you're right. I, I, I may not have two nickels to rub together, but I am still the richest man on the face of the earth because I had the surpassing joy of knowing Jesus Christ. I think what happens is all too often we, we, we settle for junk food in, in the kitchen of our lives. And, you know, the season of Lent begins in, in a couple of weeks, actually begins on Ash Wednesday on February 17th. The first Sunday of Lent is the 21st. And I'm going to try to give up what I've tried to give up the last couple of years, what I call the five C's, candy, cookies, cake, chocolate, and yes, coffee. Try to give up junk for just a little while, at least up to Easter. Well, before he died from cancer in 1995, at the age of 63, the Hall of Famer and New York Yankee great Mickey Mantle held a press conference in the hospital right after his liver transplant surgery. He publicly acknowledged the years of abuse that he heaped on his body, alcohol, uh, pills, and, and basically this out-of-control lifestyle. And he told those gathered there at the press conference in the hospital, he said, don't be like me. God gave me the ability to play baseball. He gave me everything and I just wasted it. So as you sit in your homes on this a snowy morning, I want you to answer this question. Are, are you somebody who has grasped for things in the kitchen of your life to satisfy your hunger, and the results are that you've made some pretty poor choices? Maybe there was a time in your life when you were hungry for companionship, and you made a poor decision on a relationship. Or maybe you left a really good job because you got hungry for what seemed like this dream job, but, but it wasn't what you thought. You, you settled for junk food, and what you thought was going to be sweet turned out to be bitter and bad for you. Earlier in First Peter, I read, Long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation. This is what Jesus offers to you and me this morning. Jesus says, come to me. I will satisfy your hunger. Come to me. I will quench your thirst. As I close, I want to share with you what a real extreme makeover looks like in the kitchen of our lives. 
It's when we make a decision to eat with someone who may not think, act, look, or dress like I do. Usually our default mode is to hang out with the same people at the same time in the same place to talk about the same things. And I'm not saying that that is necessarily bad, but I think it's always healthy, it's always missional, it's always Christ-like if we leave at least one chair open for the stranger who may join us at our table. The Boston Globe carried a story a few years back of a most unusual wedding banquet. This couple had planned a very extravagant wedding reception at the Hyatt Regency Hotel in downtown Boston with a bill that totaled $13,000. Now, part of the Hyatt's wedding policy was that the couple was required to leave a check for half the amount as a down payment. Well, wouldn't you know it, several days before the wedding, the groom got cold feet. And when the jilted bride returned to the Hyatt to cancel the reception, the hotel manager was sorry. He was sympathetic, but he also has some bad news for her. He said, I'm sorry, but our policy is that any cancellation of a reservation means you can only receive a 10% refund. So imagine that $1,300 out of $13,000. And the hotel manager said, you basically have two options. Either take the 1300 or go ahead and have the reception. Well, even though it seemed like a crazy idea, the more the bride thought about it, the more she liked the idea of going through with it. Not a wedding reception, but a big blowout party for the down and outers in Boston. And so one June night in Boston, the Hyatt Hotel hosted a party the likes the city had not seen before. In honor of the groom, the hostess changed the menu to boneless chicken. And engraved invitations on fancy cardstock were sent out to all the rescue, mission, and homeless shelters. And the Boston Globe article said, that warm summer night, people who were used to peeling half-gnawed pizza off the cardboard dined instead on chicken cordon bleu. Hyatt waiters in tuxedos served hors d'oeuvres to senior citizens propped up by crutches and aluminum walkers. Bag ladies, vagrants, and addicts took one night off from the hard life on the sidewalks outside and instead sipped on champagne, ate chocolate wedding cake, and danced to big band melodies late into the night. Friends, an extreme makeover of our kitchen isn't just when we give our monies from our wallets or our purses or even offer food from our table. It's when we basically say, I am opening up my life to you. And as God remakes the kitchen of our lives, let's extend to the hungry and the thirsty who are around us the invitation of a lifetime to taste and see that the Lord is good. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, we know that this uh, communion meal that we are about to partake is, is a gift of, of your own soul. And, and, and it represents the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ who died for us on the cross. May it be soul food that fills us up and equips us to live as Jesus lived.
and to love as Jesus loved, as we ask it and pray it in his name. Amen.